0: Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed, so enjoy this message. Come on, I just feel like we need to give Jesus a big hand clap today. Good to see everybody. Good to see all of our live streamers also. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget if you're ever in Charlotte, or if you're in town, or if you're just skipping church today, there's always next Sunday. Sunday is always a good day to go to church. And the best day to come to church is when you don't feel like going to church. And I know some of you feel like that today. However, we did get an extra hour of sleep. Come on, somebody. Praise Jesus. I love sleep, come on, I take my sleep seriously. How many of y'all believe in naps? Raise your hand if you're a napper. Look at that, man, y'all are Christians. (laughs) Jesus napped, I do, it's holy, it's holy. Hey, real quick, I know we've been talking a lot about this, but we're gonna be talking about it all month as our Kingdom Builders. And this is really for those of you that uh, call Freedom House Church your home. Uh, By the way, if you didn't know who I was, my name is Troy Maxwell. Uh, My wife and I are the senior pastors here. And uh, my wife is at our Lake Norman campus. This is the uh, third week that we've been open. Third week? Yeah, third week that we've been open. We also have a South End campus and, of course, our online campus as well. And we're expanding, and that's why we are encouraging you to uh, be a part of this. Now, if you're new here, if you're kind of kicking the tires of Freedom House Church, been here for a few weeks. Now, if you've been here for five years, you no longer are kicking the tires. (laughs) Just making that clear. Really, a year. If you've been here over a year... This is your church, and I want to challenge you as your pastor to uh, consider what it looks like to be a kingdom builder. we, We talked about the three lanes of our now generation, of our church projects, and our missions, and we got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we send out lame reports every quarter, so you can see all of the different things that are happening. If you become a kingdom builder, you'll get that lame report. It'll tell you every single... We got about $50 million worth of vision that we want to accomplish. Just you know, I've got about, I feel like I got about a good 15 years left in me. I'm 50 years old. I know I don't look it. Come on, amen. Um, I don't know why that was funny, but anyway... <laughs> And I feel like I got another good 15 years in me, and I really believe that God wants to do something significant, not only in our city, but through this church. He's already done some amazing things. Um, And we got a big vision as a church. It's not my vision. It's our vision as a church. And I want to encourage you to think about this one thing. The speed of the vision is determined by you. It's not determined by God. Um, God is the one who provides the vision, and we are the ones that support the vision. You say, well, God is the one that provides for us. Yes, but it comes through your pockets. And uh, there are a lot of cheaper churches to go to uh, in the world, meaning that they have no vision, and they don't ask you to give. I'm asking you to give. I'm asking you to really pray about this. Not right now. We're not going to receive an offering. You're safe. But I do want you to pray. Everybody say pray. Over the next few weeks, I want you to pray. In the seat back pocket in front of you is a little commitment card. We'll talk more about that as the weeks come on. And we're going to ask you to commit. Uh, and then on the 1st of December, we're going to ask you to give. Amen. We're, we're, having a, we're starting a brand new series today called First Things First. First Things First. So I want you to get your Bibles out, get your iPad, get your pens out. I'm going to teach for a little while uh, on what it looks like to have, to put God in His place, in his rightful place, in in the priority that he wants to be. In in this particular scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is finishing up one of the greatest sermons of all time. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7 are three chapters in the Gospels where Jesus is basically sharing with us, with mankind, this vision that he has for the planet, for the future. And he's getting towards the end of his message and he makes this statement in regards to you and me. He says he says therefore do not worry. Look at your neighbor and say do not worry. Do not worry. Look at your other neighbor, and say do not worry. Do not worry. Saying, this is what we say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Meaning that this is what the world looks for. This is what the world is worried about. We live in a society and a culture right now where anxiety, depression, panic is at an all-time high. There are more people on Prozac, Lexapro, all these different anxiety drugs because of one thing that Jesus told us 2,000 years ago. He said it's caused by worry. It's caused by worry. The word worry, just so you know, means to be distracted. It it means to basically in in the, the English word, the old English word is the word to strangle or to choke out. It means to draw in different directions. And so if you think about it, what Jesus is saying is there are things in our life that can choke out the promises of God if you allow it. And so he says, these are the things that all the Gentiles seek. The people that are not connected with God seek after. But I want to tell you how to fix it. And he says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first. This, is the, this is the law of priority. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, everything that all these other people are concerned about, will be added to you. Therefore... So he he makes this little sandwich. He says, don't worry. Here's how you not worry. And then he says, listen, don't worry. You don't have to worry about this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you can't worship and worry at the same time. You can't do it. And so he says, here's the answer to every worry that you have. Here's the answer to feeling strangled in your life. Here's the answer to feeling strangled in your relationships. Here's the answer to feeling choked out. And, and really it means to tear apart or tear away from. It's to put God first. Put God first. Now I know what you're thinking. You say, I do that already. Well, I think we do to some extent. Now I'll... I, I, kudos to you because you're giving God the first of your week. And we're going to talk about that. Now, the reason why people worry, the reason why these things choke out people and, and they kind of vacillate between putting God first and him not being first and they're kind of in and out of worry is because of what the Bible calls strongholds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, Paul tells us that we are all, we're human. Everybody's a human being. If you're breathing today, you're a human. But, but because we're saved, because we're believers, we do not wage war as humans do. In other words, the way that people deal with worry is not the way you and I deal with it. Right. We have been given an answer. We've been given a secret. It's like our secret sauce. It's like, it's like that secret recipe. It's like that little ingre- ingredient that if you just told them about it, they would understand. And you were like, yes, that's exactly what. I knew there was something special about you. I knew there was something special about this. And so we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. And one of those weapons is the law of priority, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Now, let me give you a definition of strongholds because this is an important aspect of our life and what we deal with. And, And many of you are facing Worry every single day. You're, you're thinking about, you're loving right now. And during worship, you didn't think about it. But me even think going this direction, you've got some bills on your desk. You've got some, some conversations you need to have. You've got some relationships you need to end. You've got a, a job discussion that you need to have. You've got a change that needs to happen. And when you start to dwell on it a little bit, you start to kind of worry about it a little bit. Now, what God tells us is that what can happen if we tend to dwell on the wrong thing, a stronghold can be erected in our life. A stronghold is simply an argument or a pretense that holds someone captive. It's an argument... Or a pretense, a perspective that the enemy would love for you to believe for the rest of your life. He would love to hold you captive in this particular mindset, this frame of mind for the rest of your life. Now, today, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk specifically about finances, but strongholds can exist in anything. It, it could be, you could have a stronghold in regards to family, you could have a stronghold in regards to how you raise your kids. You could have a stronghold in regards to how you see um, um, people that are in positions of authority. All of those things can cause and erect a wall that can, and watch what he says. He says, we don't don't fight with, with, uh, with, with the worldly weapons. We fight with God's weapons to tear down strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Why? We destroy... Every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. In other words, that stronghold can keep you from experiencing all of who God is. And this is where we can be distanced from God and not even realize it. Or even in our walk with God, we get to a certain place and we kind of stop. We kind of end right there. And we find ourselves kind of tackling really hard issues, and we're wondering, why do we keep hitting this wall? Why do I keep hitting this plateau in my life? It's because there's a stronghold. And one of the biggest strongholds is money. Do you know the number one prayer request we get at Freedom House Church is about money? Number one. Number two is healing. Number three is job, which is in relation to money. So number one and number three, the, the top three, two-thirds of what the prayer requests we get into Freedom House Church to pray over is about money, about jobs, about promotion, about debt, about bankruptcy. That's the number one thing. So I feel a responsibility as a, as a pastor, as your leader, is to help you understand how to remove some strongholds, how to get this out of your life. Now, now to prove this to you, the concept... Of the world, specifically America, money is a little warped. There was a book that was written called "The Day America Told the Truth," and the question that James Patterson, the author, asked was, "What would you be willing to do for ten million dollars?" Okay, let me ask you, what would you be willing to do for ten million dollars? What would you, you? I know what you're thinking about. You're like, you know, what? I would probably, uh, and then you, you know, just fill in the blank. Well, here's what America said. Okay, America said number twenty five percent would abandon their family for ten million dollars, leave their family for ten. Now don't be getting all religious on me. Be, because because let's be honest, somebody's got a fat old tip. Let's not even use a check. Let's just say flat cash, ten million dollars of cash right up in your grill. Look what else. 23% would be a prostitute for a week or more. That's a quarter of the nation would sell their bodies for $10 million. Hey, let's, let's keep going because it gets even crazier. It gets even crazier. 16% would give up their American citizenship. Ten percent would give testimony to let a killer go free. Okay, let's look at this one's going to freak you out right here. Okay, seven percent would kill a total stranger. Okay, let's just put that in perspective. There's probably about maybe 600 people in this room, so that's about 43 of you (laughs) that we need to be concerned about. That's seven out of every hundred. Some of y'all are jacked up in this room. Just saying. And then three percent would put their children up for adoption. Some of some of you be like, "I'd do it for way less than that right now." Matter of fact, I'd probably pay you to take them right now. <laughs> it's crazy, the way that people think about money. One of the biggest challenges about finances is what we call a poverty mindset. Now, this is what I dealt with because uh, I had a little bit of a, I had a very strong. Stronghold on money in my life because I grew up Po, P O, couldn't afford the O R. Okay, we were poor. My, my family was poor. I was a single uh, parent child. I didn't know I was poor. And, and those of y'all that kind of grew up like I did, you didn't realize you were poor until you met people that weren't poor. Like, I didn't realize people had more than one pair of shoes. I didn't realize. That people had more than one pair of jeans. I didn't realize that people had more than two t-shirts. I didn't have a chest of drawers. I had a drawer because that's all I needed was one drawer to put my clothes in. And so we grew up very poor. Now, what that did is it created a stronghold that manifested itself in a couple different ways. But one of the biggest ways is I thought there was never enough. And so what that caused in me is to work towards gaining more and more and more. And so what's enough when you think there's never enough? There's never enough, so you'll always be wanting more. And so my philosophy before I was a Christian was I want to be a millionaire before, before I'm 30. I want to make a lot of money, and I want to have this and this and this. So stuff became, became my purpose because I had a poverty mindset. And the other, th- the other way that a poverty mindset set manifests itself is in comparison. Especially now, we look at other people and what they have, and we blame God, we get upset. Especially if you carry that stronghold into your relationship with God, is you can easily start to look at people and go, God, well, what about me? And why not me? And I should be, and this, that should be me. That's a poverty mindset. Even if you have money, you can still have a poverty mindset because it it influences your generosity. It influences the way that you see finances. And so God had to deal with me. And so I had a pretty intense experience about a year into my relationship with God. And he dealt with me specifically about money. And I began to study the Bible in regards to finances. And it really set me free to understand that God really does want me blessed. He really does want me to be prosperous. I, I found scriptures like God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That God wants to bless you. That God wants to favor you. That you can walk in God's favor. And I started to realize that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, hell, prayer, and faith. He talked about money more than anything. So he knew something about this stronghold that we need to deal with. And so what I want to do over the next few minutes, I want to talk about three principles that demolish strongholds or in regards to money. Okay? Three principles. The first one, if you want to write this down, is the principle of ownership. And this is the issue of possession. Because one of the most important things that we can understand in regards to Anything that we have in life is that we are managers of it, okay? You are what the Bible calls a steward, which is a Bible term for you have been uh, elected and put into management of everything that you have. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but I work hard for what I have. And I used to think the same way, and I used to think, well, man, I, I, I mean... Honestly, God, you ain't down here working 60 hours a week. I'm the one working 60 hours a week. But then I started to realize that not only is the breath in my lungs a gift from God, my talent, my skills, my creativity are all a gift from God. And so what I had to learn is that everything I, My kids are a gift from God because I have them for... Hopefully, somewhere in the range of zero to 25 years. Hopefully. Some of them last a little bit longer. That's cool, you know, as long as they start paying rent. But my job is in that period of time is to create in them a foundation of exactly this principle so that when they go out into the world, they can influence people in the name of Jesus to build God's kingdom. And so they're only with me for a short period of time. Now, this is important to understand, y'all, because all of us, everybody, even you listening, watching online, every single person on the planet, when they die, are going to face two judgments with God. Now, if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, we're all going to face the first judgment, who is with Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian... The good thing is, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're born again, if you prayed the prayer of salvation, when you stand before Jesus in the first, what's called the great white throne judgment, you're gonna stand before Christ. He's gonna open a book. And for me, he's gonna, I'm gonna be standing for he's gonna go down and look through the M's. Flip to the M's, look down this book: M-A-M-A-X, M-A-X-W-E-L-L, Timmy, Todd. Troy, there you are right there. Okay, you passed. Go on to the next one. Because I am not, you are not ever going to be judged on your sins. Come on, that's a good place to say amen right there. You better be thankful for that because Jesus took your place on the cross 2,000 years ago. He didn't just die for your sins. He became sin. And he became your sin so that when you stand before him, in eternity, you will not be judged for your disobedience. You won't be judged. Now, once you pass that judgment, shoom, you're gonna go off to the next judgment. This is the BAMA seat or the judgment seat. Now, what is that seat? That is, you're gonna be judged for your stewardship. You're gonna be judged for what you did with what you got. So the big screen's gonna come up, Blu ray, 4K, whatever you wanna call it. And your whole life is going to be in front of you. And there's going to be angels and, and, and all these, going to be watching everything. And what they're looking for is you've been given gifts. How did you use them? Not for you, but for God. How did you steward them? Now, here's the great thing about God. Great thing about God is when you do it for God, you get some benefits as a result of it. You, you, get, you get some runoff. You get to participate in the blessings that come along with the stewardship of what you do. So this is why we can understand the fact that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to God. Everything. Everything belongs to God. Now that's easy. But let's let's go a little farther. David, when he was building the temple, made this prayer. And I love this prayer because David understood something that we need to understand. He said this prayer, he was praying because he was he was basically financing. The building. He was financing the, 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 uh, the, the temple of God that Solomon, his son, was going to build because he couldn't build. He had too much blood on his hands. And so he, he says, says this prayer. He said, Blessed are you, Lord, God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Yours. Notice how many times he gives the possession to God. The power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, God. It all comes from you, and you reign over all, and all your hand is power and might. In your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, let's just take it a little bit deeper, okay? So, because we can understand that everything is God's the earth on a thou- the cattle on a thousand hills is God. It all belongs to Him. But let's take it one step deeper. Look what uh, Paul said in First Corinthians chapter six. He says, "Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? He bought you for a price. In other words, you don't even belong to you. Amen. So, if you don't belong to you," then everything you have ain't yours. And that's good, okay? That's really good because it's much easier to part with something that ain't yours. And so when God asks you to give something that's his anyway, it's much easier to give it back to him. It's very easy, very, very easy. And so we don't get into this trap. And I love Deuteronomy. He says, if you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this and all by myself, I'm rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. I didn't write this. This is the Bible. So don't send me any bad emails. Remember that God, your God, gave you, point at your neighbor, say you, gave you, the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm. Why did he give it all to you? He gave it to you, To confirm his covenant on the earth. In other words, we're here to live as a testimony for God. We're here to be an example. We're here for people to go, why are you doing so good when the economy's down? Well, because I live on a different plane than you. Can I tell you about him? See, because I know all of you want to do something significant with your life. I think you'd be sitting in here if you didn't. I know that all of you. One thing I know about everybody in this room is that that, that you truly want to serve God. And when this principle, the issue of ownership, the principle of ownership gets in your heart, then it it becomes very easy. And you can begin to work God's kingdom out through your life in everything that you do. And it will change the way you live. And it will change the way God is able to interact with you. And you'll experience him in a whole new level. Here's the second thing if you want to write this down, is the principle of the first. This is the issue of priority. The issue of priority. This involves who is first in your life, who is first. And we have to go all the way back to the beginning in order to understand this. Because when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God knew something was going to happen to them. He understood that as these three million people began to work their way across the wilderness into the promised land, he knew that they could possibly be influenced by other nations. And so these other cultures that were around them. Now you say, why are you going all the way back then? Because the same thing happens now. We can easily be influenced by those that we're around easily and so if we're not careful that influence can be stronger than the influence of God in us like like when I first got saved I I dealt a lot with alcohol so I was a big drinker alcoholic you name it I drank it so I when I got saved I wanted to immediately go back into the, the clubs and where my friends were and minister to them and one of my mentors said you can't do that Troy You can't do that. I said, I want to. I want to get them saved. I want them to hear the truth. And they said, you aren't strong enough. The influence that you have is going to be overwhelmed by the influence that they have. And so so, so they said, just keep keep searching for God. There's going to be a moment where you're going to pass that influence, where you could have more influence over people that had the same familiar spirits that you had, and you could have an influence on them. But it comes with putting God first in a constant place all the time. Like putting God first, putting God first, putting God first in every area of my life. Now, he wasn't first at that time in every area of my life. He was first in a few areas, but not all of them. Because I wasn't willing to give up what was happening in those areas because I knew that I was going to have to change if I put God first. In other words, he was going to get involved. And God is only going to get involved where he's invited. Only. He's only going to get involved where he's invited. And the principle of the first is really his invitation to come and get involved in my life. And that's really good right there. Somebody needs to write that down because I didn't say that last night. And so I need to make sure that I say that in the next service. All right. So here's what what God said to the Israelites. He gave them the top ten. Ten Commandments. Commandment number one, number one command. Whenever you see a list in the Bible, God gives a list on purpose, on purpose to make sure that everything goes in that flow. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. The commandment to God's people, no other gods. In other words, I have to be first. Now, what I want to do is I want to redefine what this looks like because most people think linear when it comes to God being first. And so when they think about God being first, this is how they look at him. They look at God, number one. Woo, God's number one. I'm going to put him on a list. God, you are number one. Number two is family. Can I get an amen? Families, woo, hallelujah. Now, this is where we get a little struggle right here. A lot of people struggle with number three and number four is ministries number three. No, No, hold on a second. My ministry needs to be number four. My job needs to be number three. If my family's number two, I need to make sure I support them. But listen. Listen to me very carefully. If you will use your gifts and your talents to build God's kingdom instead of building Bank America's kingdom, then God will bless you in this area way more. The skills and the talents that God has given you are not to build a business they're to build the kingdom. Amen. They're not to build a, a, a legacy in real estate. They're meant to build a legacy in the kingdom of God. Are you following what I'm talking about? Amen. Now, this is how, this, if we look at linear, if we look at it this way, it's easy to compartmentalize God. However, I want, I want you to look at it a different way. I want you to look at it this way that God. When he's first, he's at the center of our life, and everything builds itself around that centrality. In other words, God, you're at, you're my target, and if I put God as my target, then everything else is built upon that, as opposed to God's first, family second, ministry third, occupation, and then fill in the blanks after that. No, but if God is the foundation then everything I do after that is going to be blessed. And this is the principle of the first. The first governs the rest. The first provides or positions the rest. Whatever you do first determines God's involvement in the rest. If you give God the first of your week, he'll bless the rest of your week. If you give God the first of your day he'll bless the rest of your day. If you give God the first of your finances, he'll bless the rest of your finances. God is all about the first. He wants the first because the first is the best. And it takes faith to give the first. Are you with me? God does not take leftovers. He does not take. He can't even accept leftovers. And this is what he had to teach his people because what they would do is they would have all these cows out there and they'd they go, hey, God, I'm going to give you the three-legged cow. This one can't even really walk. He's not really useless to me, useful for me. So you can have him, God. Amen. Don't you know I love you, God? No, I can't accept that sacrifice. Well, then can you take this sheep over here? It's only got one eye, but, you know, it's okay. It can see half the time. I mean, it's all right. You can just take him, And that's how oftentimes we give to God. We give him what's left over. But can I just tell you something? He doesn't even accept it. He doesn't even receive it because it takes zero faith to give what's left over. It takes zero faith to give what you would not even use yourself. I knew this wouldn't be real popular, but that's all right. It's an important principle, Amen. important principle that we have to understand. Amen. And so God doesn't accept our leftovers. And this happens throughout the whole scriptures. Let me just give you, let me give you two examples. Joshua is entered into the promised land. Remember that? Remember when Joshua was entering into the promised land? What was the first city that he came up against? Jericho, Jericho. Jericho. And what did he say about Jericho after they marched around it and, they, and it you know, came tum-tum-tumbling down? What did he say about Jericho? What did he tell Joshua to do with everything in Jericho? He said, Give it to God. And what happened? They didn't. There was this guy named Aiken. He was related to Clay Aiken from American <laughs> Idol, just out of Raleigh. Not true. And I want you, I want you to see what happened with Aiken. Because Achan went into a tent in Jericho and he took you know, some clothes and some money and he took it all to himself. He said, oh, this is just a little bit. Everything else is going to go to God. But God, remember, he said, this is, and this was the first city, the first nation that they went into. Because God wanted to deal with all the other nations based on how they were going to deal with the first nation. Come on. And so Achan came and he took the money, He took it, and then... Joshua said, they went to fight Ai, the next nation. And what happened? They lost. They lost this. Li- and there was, Ai was a little tiny town. You can read it. Just a small little country, a little, small little place. But they got beat bad. And God says, check your camp. And so they called Achan. They called Achan's relatives and all of his family. And they dealt with the whole entire family because of what Achan, one man, did. He took what was reserved for God. Abraham. Abraham became the father of faith because God asked him to give him his first and his best. Abraham had two sons. But only one was, was from, his own, from his own marriage between him and, and Sarah. That was Isaac. Gave him his first. You know, you know God believes in this so much that he did the exact same thing for you and me. He gave his first and his best, in his name is Jesus. He believed so much in this principle that he did it for us as well. Here's the the third one. I read this verse earlier, Matthew 6, verse 33. Here's what Jesus said, but seek first. Everybody say, seek first. first. Say it one more time. Say, "Seek seek first. The kingdom of God. Remember, you can't worry and worship. You can't worship and worry at the same time. So here's the third one is the principle of the tithe. This is the issue of trust, the issue of trust. The tithe is involving what I do first. Specifically when it comes to finances, what am I going to do first with my finances? The first thing we do redeems the rest. It blesses the rest. Now, let let me just explain something to you between the difference between blessing and cursing. Okay, blessing and cursing. We've heard those words used over and over. God does not put a curse on anybody any person. Curses are put on disobedience. And when we participate in disobedience, a curse comes with disobedience. Now, what is a curse? A curse is not God doing something bad to you. I disobeyed God. I got in a car wreck. That's not a curse. I disobeyed God, and my car broke down. I disobeyed God, and, and this happened to me. And I just, that That's A curse simply means God cannot be involved in it anymore. He cannot be involved in sin. So what happens is, is when we disobey God, he removes himself from that situation. The opposite is true with blessing. Blessing is God stepping into what I'm involved with. So when I'm blessed, it means that God is involved in everything that he blesses. If I want God to bless my finances, I must give him the tithe. The tithe, tithe just simply means 10%. It's just 10%. 10% of what? Well, here's what the Bible says. It says, honor God with everything you have. Give him the first and the best. In other words, the first 10% goes to God. Now, here's what he says in Malachi chapter 3. And this is is a tough chapter for pastors and preachers because this is in the Old Testament. If he could have just thrown it over into the New Testament, it would have been a lot easier because the argument is, well, this is Old Testament, this is Old Testament law, I don't have to believe this. Okay, okay, that's fine. Well, let's read what the New Testament says about giving. The New Testament says about giving, give it all to God. So so anywhere between 10% and everything, find yourself, all right? So if we want to talk about New Testament giving... But this, this is what God asks us. This is called a transcovenantal promise. So he says this. He says, bring all the tithes. Remember, tithe means tenth. Where? Into the storehouse. Everybody say storehouse. Storehouse, storehouse is the church. The church what? Well, big C church, little C church. It's the church where you're getting fed. The house where you're getting fed. Amen. You say, well, well d- does that mean I-, I, can- I can't tithe to the guy on television? You can send your tithe to him. Okay, but It's not biblical. You can send your first 10% to him, But when you're getting the hospital and you need some help, give him a call. Yeah. And see if he's going to come and hang out with you. If you're sick and need a meal train, call that 1-800 number and say, Well, I sent you my tithe. Aren't you my storehouse? They're probably not going to come and provide meals for you. Are you following what I'm saying? The storehouse is a place... Where God says that there may be food in my house. To do what? To feed those who need the food. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, test me in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, I'm going to bless you. How? Windows are are significant because they provide light. They provide protection. They reveal. They let light through. And pour out for you such blessing. I'm going to get involved in every aspect of your life, every aspect, wherever you tithe, wherever you give me the first. If you want my blessing on your money, give me 10% first. Bring the 10% to me. Bring it to the church. Bring it to the storehouse. And there won't be room enough for, to receive the blessing that I'm going to pour out on your life. And I will, not only that, I'm going to take care of the devil for you. I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. In other words, I'll take care of your checking account. I'll take care of your 401k. I'll take care of it all for you because I get involved. Now, let me show you how this looks, okay? I thought about the best way to explain this, and I think this is the best way. Got a little pumpkin pie here. Come on, everybody loves a little pumpkin pie. It's almost, almost Thanksgiving. And so here's how most people live. Most people live this way. And, and this is where they struggle. Because I know what you're thinking. I really want to do this, Pastor. But this is how I live. First of all, you know, I got a house to pay for. So the first piece of my pie needs to go to my mortgage because it comes every month, right? Doesn't it come every month? Do they skip any months? Ever? For your birthday. Have you ever got a letter from the mortgage that said, happy birthday? No mortgage this month. No, it doesn't happen that way. Gotta pay your expenses too. You gotta take care of the electricity bill and the gas bill and the water bill. So a little piece of your pie comes with that way. And then then you got then you got a car. You gotta have a car. Maybe two cars, maybe three cars if you got a kid, you know, you gotta take care of them as well. And then you gotta have some food. You gotta eat, right? You gotta take care of your food so a piece of your pie comes with the eat you gotta eat. You know, gotta take care of that. And then then, you know, you got those oops situations. Oops. I'm Gonna need some new tires. Oops. You know, I got to have I got to have that. I got to have maybe a little bit of fun, entertainment. You know, I I got I got to have that. Got to have got to have some clothes. You know, got, please. <laughs> have some clothes. And then 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 at, after all that, you, you got to save some money. Try to put a little money aside. Then you come to church and you hear a message like this. and You go, I really, I really want to do something, but I, I don't have any left. Let me show you another way. And this is the way that I believe God wants us to do this. If we will give him the first 10, the first 10%, here's what he says. He says, I'll pour out a blessing on you. I'll I'll bless you. I'll do something so significant in your life. And and if we we get God the first, then not only is involved with everything else, but it begins with God and it ends with God. And whatever God gets involved with, he just makes it a little bit better, doesn't he? Just like whipped cream, he just makes it a little bit better. Everything is just a little bit better just gets a little bit better. Just a little bit better or maybe a lot better because everything that God's involved with just gets gooder, gooder and gooder and gooder. And you know, and he says, you can just taste a little bit of it, it's all right. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He believes in this principle so much that that's why he sent his son to die for you. He did it in faith. Because there's people in this room, people that are watching online, that they don't believe in Jesus. But God trusts this principle so much, believes in this principle so much, that he would give his first. He would tithe to mankind. He would tithe knowing that his blessing would come and he would redeem mankind he believes in it that much do you do you believe in it do you trust God because if you trust you get to taste and if you taste you get to trust and so here's my challenge I want to just challenge you today I do this often I've done it probably about six times In your note sheet, you should have got one of these little cards. It's a 90-day, it says 90-day tithe challenge. If you didn't get a note sheet, our ushers are going to be in the aisles right now. They'd love to give you one. Just raise your hand. We'll get you one of these little, little cards. I want everybody to grab it. If you got one, I want you to grab it. Because this really involves everybody who calls Jesus their Lord. Here's my challenge to you. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to go on a 90-day tithe challenge. 12 weeks. I want you to, I want you to try God. He said test me in this try me in this i want i want to challenge you to become a tither for 90 days if god doesn't do something significant in your life if you don't see the blessing of god in your life after 90 days we'll give you every penny of it back i will write you a check and give it all back to you maybe maybe you're saying pastor you don't understand like, this is my world right now. Ten I, percent I, is huge. Well, here's the second challenge. Maybe you can't do ten percent to begin with, but I want you to take a faith challenge. Maybe you can do two percent, four percent, six percent. Maybe you can start with five percent. I just trust God that he's going to bless you. And you're going to move from four percent to 6% to 8%. And within that 90 days, you're going to be able to tithe because you're going to see the blessing of God in your life. You're going to see the blessing. God's going to get involved in every area of your life. And, and some of you, you're going to get a promotion. Some of you are going to get a better job. Well, I know it's going to happen. It's happened over and over and over again. Amen. I, I mean, I've watched it. I've watched people. They, they come to me, and, I, and I'm expecting them to go, hey, can you give me my money back? And they're like, you're not going to believe what happened. Like, I I didn't I didn't even think it was gonna happen. I tithed and before I got home, I got a call from my boss and he said, do you want some extra hours and we'll double your pay and this'll happen and this'll happen. Not only will he get involved in your finances, but he'll get involved in every area of your life. This is not just a money thing, this is a trust thing. And then the third box I want you to check off is that you're gonna continue to be a tither. Just make a confirmation. And then sign it at the bottom. And what I'd like you to do is on the front, would you just write your email address or or a phone number on there? Because here's what I want to do. I want to send you some encouragement over the next 90 days. I maybe even have a gift for you. I know I have a gift for you. If you'll take the challenge, I want to send you a special gift. I also want to pray for you every single day over the 90 days. Because I know, I know, but I know, but I know, if you'll let God get involved in your world, he will change your life forever and ever. Amen. He'll break every stronghold. Amen. 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 Stand up on your feet if you could. I know you may be filling out your card. But I, I want to just, I, I just want to ask you, just take that card in your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this challenge. I thank you for the opportunity to become a part of your kingdom, to become a part of your your camp, God, to, to become get you involved in the areas of our life that we need you to be involved in. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. God, I, I pray that you'll break strongholds down, poverty mindsets, as a result of people taking the step of faith. In Jesus' name, and everybody said.